Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the podcast where we joke about big entertainment corporations and hope we don't get famous enough for them to notice. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And today, we are talking about the Disney animated film Big Hero 6. Directed by Don Hall and Chris Williams, the film premiered in October 2014, and is based on the Marvel comic series of the same name. The story follows Hiro Hamada, a 14-year-old boy genius living in San Francisco with his brother Tadashi and his aunt Cass. Worried about Hiro's penchant for bot fighting, Tadashi takes Hiro to his college campus to introduce him to his friends and urge him to use his skills for something more. Inspired, Hiro develops a series of microbots for the school showcase to get into Tadashi's college. But soon after, a fire destroys the showcase building and kills his brother. Joined by Baymax, Tadashi's healthcare robot, and his friends, Hiro sets out to discover who started the fire and stole his microbots for nefarious purposes. And, as always, there will be spoilers. So, I can remember the first time I watched this movie. Uh, more specifically, I think, for... For those of you who don't know us in real life, our friend group tends to, well, in the before times, uh, tended to get together and go watch uh, movies in the movie theater together. And yeah, we were so unique. You know, no other friend group ever watches movies <laughs> in the movie theater together. Um, and this was one of them, I believe, because I remember watching it with uh, Michael and I don't know if... Marcus was there, but I think Michael and Iris. Yeah, I was definitely there. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> oh, oh no, Marcus! <laughs> but this was senior year for us, and I remember uh, watching this uh, the trailers of this movie and being interested, immediately interested in a sort of superhero take with the Disney formula on it. And we watched it in theaters, and honestly, I was not disappointed. I, I really liked this film when it first came out. I thought it had a lot of a lot of heart. It was it was a good superhero movie. Uh, followed the same superhero tropes as many of the other uh, movies of the time. And yeah, I just really liked it. I, I also kind of teared up at the at the end during uh, the the sad Baymax scene. Uh, but yeah, all in all, I thought it was a pretty solid movie. But what about the rest of y'all? What was your first experiences, and how did you like the movie? What were your first ex impressions? Well, first experiences, there's not much of a story there. You've just told it for most of us. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I really liked this as as a movie, right? And I think it's it's one of those films you can just kind of go in and watch and have a good time. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, sort of superhero-y, sort of sci-fi-y, a little bit kind of comic book action. And there's a lot of, like, really, like, heartfelt stuff and you know it's it was it's it's just like on the surface a very fun watch but it's one of those movies that i think really seriously like held up in retrospect you know there's been a lot of I and mean, there's been so so many sort of this one-off kind of the the disney pixar style sort of animated movies in the last decade and not all of them like you know survived in the public consciousness that i i feel like big hero six did at the very least like and even, you know, watching it, like, in 2021, like, it's still a very heartfelt, and I think it's just a very well-constructed 
movie. It's, you know, it slots back into itself really nicely. Yeah. Um, so I uh, probably watched this in my freshman year of college after winter break. I don't remember because I was likely blasted out of my mind when I had first watched this and remembered <laughs> literally none of it. Excuse um, me, Marcus. Uh, I mean, freshman year was a journey for me, right, and I'm right. not going to get into a discussion here. But in any case, we're just going to say that for the purposes of this discussion here, uh, yesterday was more or less the first time that I watched <laughs> oh, this movie. Oh, man. Oh, my God. For real? <laughs> I don't remember... <laughs> Okay, so I remember I remember portions of the ending from when I first watched it, um, but that was about it. Uh, and then you know it was very fresh. And honestly, I agree with you, Iris. I think this this movie holds up quite a bit. I was surprised to see that, having read the Wikipedia article, it did actually come out in twenty fourteen. Um, but yeah, it's a good movie. Um, I think it's a little bit uh, well. It's hard to say with hindsight because superhero movies, especially the Marvel universe, they're all you know, a dime a dozen these days, and they all, they're all they all very formulaic, and this one is not necessarily, you know, breaking any boundaries here. So, maybe I get a little bit tired of it, maybe I don't, but very well animated, great voice acting, nice action scenes. Obviously, Baymax is a wonderful character. I love him. Uh, yeah, I have really nothing bad to say about this movie, I suppose. So, I think this is kind of interesting for me, which is, like, I, I almost feel like Okay, let me just start. When I, when this came out, I absolutely loved this movie. It was awesome. Baymax was awesome. He was hilarious. Every single time I fist bump people, I did the bada la la thing. It was great. Um, you really did, though. I know. Like, I know. It lasted for a while. I know. Um, like, uh, honestly, some of the, like, the, the, less, the less memorable parts of it were like the sort of side characters but i loved hero and to and to you know tadashi in the beginning recipes um and i really enjoy hero and baymax's interactions in particular at like the at the sort of mid to early point of the movie where they're like trying to get along and all that stuff as well as the sort of cool tech that was going on i really enjoyed that but but and that's a big but i uh watched it again today actually and i feel like it's still a good movie. It's still good. But it's, like, not as good as I remember. I think for some reason, when I watched it, I was in, like, a state of mind where, like, this was amazing. Like, one of the best movies I'd seen probably that year. And, like, now I watch it and I'm like, it's it's good. It's, like, it's not bad. But it's, like, it, it didn't feel like it had enough. Like, it didn't feel like it had the oomph that it did the last time I watched it. So, this is definitely a personal thing, obviously. But... I just I just find that interesting that like it's still good I I still appreciate it but I, it's not as good as I remember. Well, what what is missing? I guess is my question. Like, what do you what do you feel like you remember from earlier that you didn't get from this most recent watch through? I, I think that that's a good question. I'm not entirely sure that I could pin it down. I think part of it is like viewing it in the lens of like like you know we could it could certainly be that like my humor has changed but a lot of the jokes didn't land for me this 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 time around um i think that I, except for the baymax stuff he's still great i'm talking about like the rest <laughs> of the movie mm -hmm. um and yeah I, I i think that's part of it i think some of it has to do with the sort of 
uh, twist villain thing that we're going to talk about. And for me, that's sort of like the main crux of where I'm getting at. So we can talk about this later, but I, it's, it's, it's hard for me to pin down exactly why and what's different. I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I wanted to also really quick jump off of something you said earlier, uh, Marcus, which was just a reference to sort of the MCU and superhero movies being a dime a dozen, and even more so than movies, just like superhero properties being a dime a dozen these days. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, it's going to be the third time in four episodes that I've said this. <laughs> you like, I'm sure you already know what's about to come out of my mouth. Good superhero stories are not about the powers. And as a paradigm, I think Big Hero 6 lives up to it in in a lot of regards like no one would ever say that this is a movie about you know a bunch of high school or not high school a bunch of like college engineers like building themselves robot suits and fighting crime this is a story about loss and death and grieving you know and finding the meaning and connection right and you know moving on and there's a lot of i think very beautiful parallelism in the structure of the story that I, you know, want to get into. Uh, I mean, we, we actually could do it now if, if, uh, if this is the right space on the agenda. Uh, sure. The I mean, yeah, this, this agenda is fluid. <laughs> no, we have to, we actually script all of our episodes like live before we record. You know, <laughs> I don't know single, what you mean, Iris. <laughs> <laughs> Looks down at notes. Yeah. Uh, Wait, Helen, I think you, I think you jumped my line there. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> in any case, um, I think there was definitely something because I don't think I've seen this movie all the way through for a number of years, you know, maybe since I saw it in the theaters the first time. There's a lot of really cool, I think, parallelism in the structure of the story, like comparisons between uh, Hiro and Tadashi and, you know, sort of how Hiro's arc goes as compared against this sort of ideal that Tadashi comes to represent, right? And I mean, like from the beginning, right? They're both, you know, these two brilliant brothers, you know, one of whom who builds robots to fight, to punch, to destroy, and one of whom builds this robot to heal, you know? Mm -hmm. And as the story goes on, all this, you know, like the crux of the narrative is around Baymax, right? This sort of the embodiment of Tadashi's legacy and Hiro was like, okay, I'm going to, turn Baymox into this punching robot. I'm going to, you know, he's going to do what he does, which is build bots to destroy and sort of superimpose this on top of Tadashi's legacy, Tadashi's vision. And, you know, it comes to this head, right, when when Hero pulls out the healthcare chip and Baymax goes fucking nuts, <laughs> which is like simultaneously, it's like the scariest and also like the most real, I think, moment in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this moment where, here has to come to terms with like, oh shit, you know, like for, come to terms with what he did, but also come to terms with this is not what Tadashi wanted. This is not what Tadashi's legacy was about. And then it comes, you know, back full circle, you know, with the the, the repetition of that line, you know, our programming prevents us from harming a, a human being. I think there's also like a really beautiful comparison with Tadashi, right at the beginning or at his death, right, was running into a burning building to save someone. You know, very, like, stereotypical, like, heroic kind of gesture that ended up getting him killed. <laughs> and... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but at the end of all this, you know, at the end of the movie, they've defeated Callahan. They've gotten the, the transmitter away from him. Hero's put in the exact same situation, right, in front of the portal of there's someone there who, you know, you don't have any 
obligation to go help. It is not your job. And yet you have the option to run into the metaphorical burning building. You have the option to run into the collapsing portal to save her. And I think it's, I don't know, I think it's kind of beautiful. I think it's kind of meaningful that put in that situation, which is what got Tadashi killed, that Hiro still decides to risk his own safety for Abigail. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I think... I think yeah, what what you just said, Iris, really hammers home the point and the 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 underlying message of Big Hero Six because it's as a superhero movie, it's not really doing anything new, it's not really doing anything uh, too different from other superhero movies. But the core message and the growth and the arc we see through Hero's character is very well polished. Uh, I think uh, you just out- outlined all of the great moments and the great points that a uh, hero goes through during his hero's journey. Haha, ha, joke, joke. <laughs> <laughs> almost, um, almost literally at some points. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, that does kind of lead me into uh, going back to talking about our favorite characters and favorite moments of the show. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, let me know if any of you all uh, have a different answer, but I think we all think that Baymax is the the one of the best characters these the best character here in the show um i just love everything about him and his yeah his whole role of being this like charming healthcare robot just makes everyone absolutely love him and I, yeah his character is great i like uh, again like this this movie isn't doing like too many things that are new but like I got serious Iron Giant vibes from Baymax mm-hmm. after now watching the Iron Giant recently, and I'll obviously talking about it on this podcast. That's a good point that like they do, they have like obviously there's differences because Iron Giant doesn't know that he's is a weapon and Baymax isn't a weapon, but he's kind of forced into that role. But at the same time, they kind of react to their like forced destruction in kind of similar ways. Like they both feel regretful. They both want to do the right thing and help people because that's like ultimately down to their core what they want to do and like what uh what they think is right right and like even the whole like you know when when hero takes out the the medical chip from Baymax, is like eyes turned red I'm like that's that was nice almost <laughs> perfectly like shot for shot iron giant kind of kind of vibes um and for I mean, this it's very for, obviously like a big influence of course right? and at the same time like you know the the sort of uh Baymax uh sacrificing himself for hero and abigail is sort of again parallel to sort of the iron giant kind of things where he sacrifices himself an entire town and yet like i i saw all of those parallels and i still loved it right like it's still awesome and they executed it perfectly um especially um especially ben max's stuff where he kind of like uh, the whole, the whole, like for me, the 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 favorite. Okay, here we go. Favorite part, favorite scene <laughs> is the the ending scene because it it like perfectly uh, it does the are you satisfied with your care line right that is prevalent throughout the entire movie. Obviously, mm-hmm. when Baymax is first introduced, as well as when Hero is watching Tadashi's recordings and he does the thing, and it becomes this sort of like um, it like it has so much it, it accumulates subtext throughout the course of the movie and by the end that line is in and of itself is so powerful that that last moment really hits hard yeah 
Absolutely. Well, I mean, at that point, right, he's not just saying goodbye to Baymax, you know, the robot. He's saying goodbye to Baymax's friend, and he's saying goodbye to Tadashi, too, Mm -hmm. right? Very much in the way that, you know, Baymax is literally the embodiment of Tadashi after his death. Um, As far as characters and moments, I mean, when I first watched it, and to this day, have to give a shout out to my favorite of the like power sets, you know, favorite of the the <laughs> equipment, which is a hundred percent wasabi. Uh, you know, yeah, rad as hell. My favorite, my favorite character, if we're not, you know, fame access off the table, is got to be Gogo. She's um, she's pretty sick. She's she. I mean, she's she's real cool. Just you know, the whole skater girl kind of, you know, kind of like tough vibes going on. I just like because the thing about the the I don't want to say supporting cast, but I mean they, they are, they are, they are, are. The yeah. Cast, yeah. The 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 thing about the other four students or non students, I guess, in Fred's case, is you know they don't really have a whole lot of characterization as individuals, right? I mean they have personalities, right? They have sort of you know kind of vaguely stereotyped sort of personas, uh, which is not to say that they are stereotypes, just that they kind of have a two note personality at best uh but the, the point is they all work together as a collective right they're they're a group they enter and exit the narrative as a group um but they're fun you know it's fun to sort of be like oh yeah there's that one there's that one you know it's kind of the same <laughs> deal as like superhero teams you know you don't need to necessarily get a whole lot of individual time with each one they work as a collective i don't know i don't have a whole deep point here about like the character or anything because it's not like any of these four characters go through a whole lot of an arc Gogo's just cool as fuck, and she's the one who she here's here's part of it. I think she is the one at every point to be the one to stand up and be like, "No, hero needs our help. We're gonna help him." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. You know. Yeah. So as as much as they, you know, the group has like a, I don't know, motivational leader. It's her. Yeah. Did you have a favorite scene as well? Oh gosh, I mean, I think. For, for pure sort of just, like, fun, it's got to be the suit-up scene. It's got to be the power-up scene with the, like, Fallout Boy playing in the background. It's, <laughs> I mean, like, come on. It's hype as hell. Uh, but honestly, as far as, like, emotional stuff, it's got to be when Hero and Baymax are arguing in the garage after coming back from the island. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, the, 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 the moment where it's like, you know, would you... Would would terminating Professor Callahan make you feel better? And he was like, "Yes, no, I don't." Like, oof. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'm gonna be honest. I, I think uh, Iris, when you're saying that the other, I'm gonna call them support, supporting cast. Sorry, <laughs> for their feelings' sake. Um, they are the supporting cast. I think, I think their their personalities are one note enough that I can't really give them any credence as far as you know. If I were to choose a favorite character besides Baymax Hero or you know whoever, I'm not really sure I would want to. Like they're cool in their own ways. They all have their little quirks, but they're just they're sidekicks. That's really all they are. Um, so I'm not going to go with there. I will say favorite moment though. Um, I think I think that entire sequence where they're in the kind of ruined lab with the portals and they're they're piecing together you know it's a very classic kind of piecing together what happened mm-hmm. and you know that's also the 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 twist of the the, the twist villain or as we say or we'll, as we'll discuss later um that's revealed there I think that entire sequence is interesting because 
you can look at every single character and realize that none of them necessarily had the wrong idea, you know? Like, none of them was truly doing something antagonistically, per se. Um, obviously, uh, Cray, I think his name is, uh, fucks up very, you know, very largely in the fact that he just, you know, throws safety out the window. But it's a very, it's, it's a more sad moment, I think, than it is like a, oh, that's the villain moment, you know? I think you're, you're, you as the audience are encouraged to just feel sad and unfortunate about the loss of Abigail and Callahan, you know, immediately realizing that what has happened here is, you know, the possibility that he loses his entire, like, you know, future and his legacy and whatever. So I like that moment. It was cool. Mm-hmm. And then the fight scene afterwards, of course, was also pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, w- once again, bringing back a point that I've brought up, uh, this is the flashback episode, it seems, uh, <laughs> but I-, I really love whenever we get to see action scenes in, like, 3D animated movies because there's just so much potential in in there that we don't get to see enough of i mean we saw it in spider spider verse we see it again in big hero 6 and a lot of these action sequences are really well choreographed i mean just seeing uh each of the six of them just like bounce around whatever environment they are they're fighting callahan against uh is always a joy to see but i have to say that my favorite scene is uh, the suit-up scene, the very end when a hero and Baymax go off for that joyride around San Francisco. Oh. Because to me, that like embodies the like the first uh, like when you've had like a really bad experience, a really bad moment, and time has passed, and you find it in yourself to to laugh again. I feel like that scene encapsulates that moment, that like breath of fresh hair, almost like a weight lifting off your shoulders and being able to like enjoy life again after uh, a bad, a sad experience, um, which also makes it very, very uh, more, more distressful when immediately after that scene, Hero basically tells Baymax to kill Callahan. Uh, yeah, I know. I I just thought of something, and if anyone is listening to this, I need someone to do this right now. <laughs> I need I need someone to edit the diagram for the hero's journey, right? The sort of classic, like, all, all stories are this, but it's hero's <laughs> journey, and each element is, like, part of this movie. Because so much of it is in this movie. Like, literally, that scene is, like, one of the things in the hero's journey. Um, I think it's, Which one is it? what it's called. It's like flight of the something. That's like a very common trope. Anyway, but like, I need that. I need it, but I need it to be hero's journey. Like hero. You know, Michael. Movie. You could make that. True. <laughs> you could be change if, that you want to see in the world. If I if I could expend effort, I would. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and also I just wanted to touch on the point that this movie is amazingly colorful. I mean. Uh, San Francisco and Tokyo kind of match hey, together. Hey, oh, okay. I see. I thought yeah, you were going to. In, gonna... <laughs> in San Francisco, it just it just makes it so much like yeah, cherry blossoms, lanterns. Each each scene just explodes with color. I mean, well, I actually wanted to talk about that because you know just for a little bit, but I think there is some really like compelling visual design in this movie, and it sort of gets overshadowed, I guess, a bit by the discussion of like, oh, there's the superpowers and the story, like the emotional content, grief and sadness, and, you know, the 
hero's journey quite literally apparently but like just the 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 visual design is like really gorgeous in a lot of parts and and the design of san francisco as a city in particular like we're all bay area natives right we all know san francisco uh real well uh i I mean i assume i don't know about the rest of y'all i i literally worked there so yes (laughs) (laughs) um but it's like it watching this movie again it, there's a lot of like kind of uncanny valley not uncanny valley moments because that's got a negative connotation but a lot of sort of like i recognize that kind of moments i think they did a really brilliant job of sort of blending together elements of san francisco that i recognize from real life and elements of tokyo that i suppose i only recognize from anime but <laughs> <laughs> you know like because there's moments like yeah you know that's that's the Transamerica building. That's the Bank of America building. You know, that's the Golden Gate Bridge and it's, you know, got the towers and that's the Bay Bridge and it's got the other kind of towers. And oh, I know that uh, like circular dock looking thing. That's a real thing on the Hyde Street Pier. And oh, yeah, the highways through the city and through the buildings and stuff. That's totally Tokyo. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of like really fascinating ways they jigsawed little like visual details together yeah it's pretty cool yeah yeah for me uh that that kind of realization hit me when they were doing the ch- the chase scene in the yeah, car the chase scene is and, very apparent there yeah they, oh, were, they yeah. were going up and down the hills of san francisco oh, yeah. and they like crested a hill i'm like yeah i've driven those streets <laughs> <laughs> yeah a hundred percent and honestly it's not even that far-fetched that if you went over one of those crests at full speed that you would go flying like that yeah Oh, it's terrifying you know. to do it like a third of the speed that they were going. Like, <laughs> oh, are you kidding? I love those. I love those hills so much. They're they're a bitch to park on. <laughs> oh, yes, but um, but it's not even it's not even just like the the San Francisco San Francisco stuff though. There's a lot of I don't know, just like the the I don't really have like a specific point to say here. Just like thinking back to a lot of the different like environments you know the the kind of blues and grays of the lab and the you know whites and bright blues and kind of metal of the you know the the i don't know office building that he destroyed Mm -hmm. you know the the i mean i could i could list off every single like mise-en-scene that happened in this movie but there's the uh, there's just a really strong like color identity yeah memory for a lot of these points you know very strong like theming yeah and uh one point that uh i really noticed uh in in regards to color was that when Baymax re re I, I want to say reanimated uh, reformed where after Tadashi's death he's in Tadashi's room which is mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, lit mm-hmm. in sunlight and is like a bright spot in this room while heroes in in the darkness and then later on in the night when uh, Baymax is drunk because he doesn't have a lot of power uh when hero looks back into tadashi's room when he's reminiscing it is the only dark spot in the room because there's no light the windows are still open and i just thought that was such a clever way to like flip the the emotional meeting of that setting uh but yeah i just wanted to point that out because i i also really love color and if we ever get to coco during this uh, podcast, oh, we're we'll going to have an entire section on color because I I think I have to figure that movie out. <laughs> 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 but uh, but yeah, I mean, this whole movie has uh, San Francisco and Tokyo flares embedded in it, especially in the movie's villain, aka Kabuki, aka Professor Callahan, and. Let's talk a little bit about Professor Callahan and 
the trope of the twist villain in, I think, more specifically, Disney movies, because I feel like it started out with Frozen? Either Frozen or Toy Story 3, whichever one came first. I can't remember. <laughs> I think Toy Story 3 came first, but... <laughs> <laughs> but in, in Toy Story 3, it happened with uh, Lotso, that like pink bear guy. Where he appears nice at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And he helps, it's been a while since he, I watched that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He helps them out, and uh, it turns out, like, through the... Uh, when he gets to the halfway point, we realize he's bad. And then in Frozen, uh, we meet, whatever, Sideburns Prince. I can't remember his name. <laughs> Freaky <laughs> McGee over here. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, was, it, was, it was Hans, right? Hans, yeah, Hans. That's it. We meet Hans. He seems like a great guy. Then two-thirds of the way through the movie, surprise, surprise, twist villain. Um, and we've seen this happen more and more as uh, as the years have gone on. I mean, Incredibles 2 had a twist villain. Uh, uh, Big Hero 6 has a twist villain. And so I wanted to get your ideas on, well, the whole twist villain genre in media and what you guys thought about it. And more specifically, what you thought about it in this movie because i i want to say one last thing is that while we were watching this movie together in 2014 i have the distinct memory of turning to michael either michael (laughs) or iris and i because i had no idea who this twist villain was or who kabuki was (laughs) um and i turned towards michael and i said hey I bet it's Tadashi because I had, <laughs> I had no. I remember that. Oh my god! Yeah, I had no cues to. My mind was just like, okay, we only know Tadashi. Who else are we going to get as this twist villain? But yeah, um, all right, yeah. But what do you guys think? Okay, so in my opinion, the twist villain trope either is like either either. Um, it's amazing or it's disappointing. You can't, I, I, in my opinion, it's very hard to be in between. And the reason I say this is because if you set it up correctly and if the twist villain's motivation is, like, interesting enough that the revelation of it is, like, oh, I didn't even think of that, but all the clues were there. And if there is a good enough, uh, like, fake villain that they dangle in front of you that like oh he's he like he's it's, it's probably him even though it's so obvious that it's probably not him kind of deal then i think that it works it can work amazing and off the top of my head i can't really think of something that this works in but i i could like there's an example that's i don't have in my head but there are examples of it working amazingly i think part of the reason why this watch around didn't wow it for me was that it didn't work for me not to say that because i already knew the twist it ruined it because i completely forgot about the twist <laughs> like like i don't i don't know how like i just it just it just left and i think that that's part of why like it kind of almost didn't work for me the first time but not but like the first time i kind of got lulled in with the shock value of being like Oh god, it's Professor Calhead. Oh god, yeah, he was in the building too. Okay, I guess he must have he must have did the fire and then he set up this entire thing to get students to make things for him so that eventually he could get it so that he could get his daughter back. And then like if you th- like if you think about it too much, like I did this time, 
it kind of falls apart. Like, I don't, at least personally, a lot of what Callahan did and why he became a villain doesn't really make sense to me. Like, I understand that it's a sort of personal grudge against Cray that, like, Cray, you know, uh, cut corners and they were like, oh, there's a magnetic flux thing. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. Let's keep going. And, like, oh, we just shoved this human being through the portal, even though, like, we've done no testing, apparently. Like, they're, like, why why become a villain? Just, like, I, I, I really, like, it, I really did not understand it. And I think that was the problem going with it. So, to summarize, I think that in this instance, they didn't do the twist villain trope justice. And for me, the only good part about it was the actual shock value of it. But that was it. And it kind of rang hollow for me. My take on the why Callahan decided to just stop being like a famous roboticist yeah. and well-respected university <laughs> professor and fake, you know, his own death and resort to a life of like petty playground revenge is that he was already a very unstable person and he saw an opportunity and took it. But ultimately you are correct. It's not really very well <laughs> yeah. explained. And, and if that was true, then like they didn't really set that up whatsoever. Like I could see well, that I, I mean, it yeah. may be being implied, but yeah. I mean, I feel like it kind of wasn't the point. Yeah, of course. You know, course. like not to say that like it wouldn't have helped to have like a little bit more substance there, yeah. but like I think that is one very valid criticism of this movie is that other than you know, Hero and Baymax and Tadashi, none of the characters have a whole lot of substance behind them. Yeah. Yeah, and that's more or less what I was going to kind of jump onto that thread where it's like Callahan and Cray more or less just exist to put together this twist villain like <laughs> yeah. sub thing. Beyond that, they don't really have any purpose in the story. And like obviously that purpose is important for the way that the plot progresses, but like they're not given any more background detail than they are just to establish that. And, like, one of the things that I was thinking was, like, when, when you know, when Callahan and Cray are kind of cold to each other at the convention where Hero shows off the microbots, I think it's, it. I guess it's implied that, like, the whole Abigail thing happened in the past, right? Yeah. Like, it, it be. happens before yeah. that, that moment where it's like, okay... So you're telling me that Callahan, who, who like, Cray, who literally fucking lost this dude's daughter in the, you know, nothingness of space, the, the like, the height of their, like, animosity is just, like, cold glances and, like, undertone, like, passive-aggressive insults? Like, that's it? This dude didn't try to, like, take him to the police or some shit? I, I was like... Uh, it was a secret yeah, government really military contract. <laughs> okay, like, I, what court of law is ever going to get to see any of that? This dude, like, it is very clear at the end of the movie that, you know, Callahan would pretty much do anything for his daughter. So why is he not, like... I guess my question is, why didn't he just go straight fucking ballistic from the get-go? Like, why did he continue to keep up the professor facade until he got the microbots, which I assume was, like the last piece of his puzzle before he could don the kabuki mask which is also a thing basically we had to basically we had to assume that he he got extremely lucky that this genius just walked onto his show floor and was like hey a way to solve all your problems professor callahan here and then he planned everything on that night like he didn't see the thing before so he had to plan that he's gonna steal all that shit 
was the was did he actually do the fire i feel like that was also unclear that like it was of course <laughs> it was supposed to be that he did the fire but he was like oh but i protected myself but like what what happened i mean i don't want to like pose this as if i came up with it because i'm pretty sure i heard one of you guys say it like a minute or two ago which i hadn't even thought of before just now but like didn't one of you say something along the lines of like he's being a professor like and like pushing forward these like bright young minds until one of them invents something no, that he can that's, use. No, exactly. that's, what I, that's what I thought the No, exactly, was. exactly. But what I'm saying is that he, he, like, his thought process was, okay, all these guys are doing shit. Tadashi's making someone that can help people. I can't use that shit. All right, who's this dude? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, make something. That'll, it'll be cool. Oh, that's cool. And then literally five, like, an hour later, he's like, all right, here's the plan. I'm going to burn the building. I set up all the things I need to do to burn the building. And, and no, I... No, no, no. It was totally... I think it was totally just random opportunity. It's like, oh my god, there's a fire. You know, I have to protect myself. Wait a second. Everyone thinks I'm dead. Wait. And I have access to this super powerful invention You're saying that this kid f- just Wait, randomly... But they're, they're saying <laughs> that he did start the fire. I don't think he started the fire. Are you kidding? That's what they said. Hmm. Is it, then no? Okay. They never said that. They never said that. They implied. They theorized. The characters theorized that Cray started the fire in order to steal the microbots. But I don't think that happened. I think the fire was just random. It was a random accident, and Callahan saw his opportunity and seized it. It, it sounds like we're going to need to rewatch this movie again. Well, I, I, I watched it is, literally we're, we're five hours ago. Segment. Oh, I, we're yeah, doing I, a writer's I desk the, segment I think right the now. The issue is we are trying to put too much. Too much substance to where substance was not originally placed in the movie. Okay, I mean, yeah. To be, to to be like, fair, generate, like, I think a part of the idea. problem is that his motive, like his 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 like his modus operandi, was not set up whatsoever. Well, that's exactly it, right? The character doesn't have a lot of substance, yeah. and we're kind of getting back around to what my <laughs> original like point about the whole twist villain thing was going to be. This might be a hot take. I don't really think it was much of a twist at all. I don't think it even needed to be much of a twist like yes in the movie like it's twist oh you know they very blatantly is like oh it's gotta be cray they did the whole Mm -hmm. thing with like the turning on the tv to the news with him making an announcement and you know talked about it like very explicitly it's gotta be him and that lasted for 10 or 15 minutes before they unmasked the real villain yeah right like and 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 sort of took apart like this is his you know motivation scant though it may have been in the actual narrative it just like it doesn't feel like an important or critical component of the of the narrative you know which like i don't think it had to be and in many ways right we're we're sort of you know referencing the point that this story is a story about hero and baymax and all the people around them right uh I don't know. I just like even like obviously yes. When I watched it most recently, like I knew the twist. I knew it was coming, but I honestly don't even feel like the first time the plot twist, the surprise villain, is that important at all. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that yeah, you're right. the The twist wasn't wasn't necessary for the overall plot of the story, but I do think that Callahan and his his quote-unquote motivations as sparse as they might be is important for again drawing back to hero because hero absolutely yeah the the parallels between the two i mean and how they deal with grief which uh we're going to talk about right after i 
mention one more thing about twist villains uh is is uh, another like great part of this story and how both of these characters deal with their grief uh but i do just want to posit one thing about twist villains that i i just thought up of while you guys were talking about it is that if the reveal uh, if by the time of the reveal of the twist villain uh when that reveal happens and you don't immediately go oh that makes sense it doesn't work for me yeah um because for this movie when callahan revealed himself i remember the first time watching like wait why what (laughs) why is he doing this um and i don't know maybe just having a scene where he's like in his office and he like talks about his daughter something along that line something that would have been yeah law of foreshadowing law of foreshadowing yeah well i mean to continue the trend of this being the episode where we reference our previous episodes (laughs) like i have to invoke the name of brandon sanderson here yes who you know, not for the reasons of like the rules of writing, you know, fantasy magic, but more so for, you know, Brandon Sanderson, one of the things he's really well known for, and I'm going to not say too much about his writings, you know, for the sake of not spoiling anyone here or anyone who might be listening. But one of the things he's really well known for is setting up big twists, essentially, like big, surprising, like impactful revelations that don't show up for, you know, like multiple books down the line. Uh, in in his series and i think again without going into too much detail i think from my experience you know with those twists with those reveals i don't know that i'd agree that it has to be sort of the oh yeah of course that makes sense reaction immediately i think that does have to happen somewhere down the line it has to it has to be believable you have to accept it because otherwise it feels you know cheap it feels it feels unearned you know in the way that you know, narratives do sort of have to earn different story beats with their audiences. And I think one of the interesting things is that the examples that you gave, Frozen and Toy Story 3, are examples where the twist villain interacts with the protagonist and most of the characters for a significant part of the movie as the good guy, you know. For Callahan, that's not the case. We see Callahan once in in the Mm -hmm. convention, and then we assume he dies. So, like, you don't get to... You don't get to go along Callahan's journey and then try and justify it in your mind why he decided to, you know, become evil or whatever. Because, like, that's not what the movie was trying to get you to do. It was literally just like, okay, Kabuki Man is very clearly not Cray, so it's either Callahan or it's Tadashi. And, like, (laughs) it's pretty clearly going to be Callahan after you you put those two together. And, like, that's fine. I I don't have anything against it. I think... Overall, uh, Iris's points about how this was not necessarily a big point, they, they are resonating with me a bit more now uh, after having the discussion, just because, like, I, the, the story doesn't try too hard to do anything aside from, you know, what I think it really just kind of set out to do, which was follow the Disney formula, throw a little bit of a superhero twist on it, call it a day. Kids will love it. So, and I'm, you know, the kids did love it, so they did something right, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, going back to uh, the point about Callahan and the whole reason for his character being in this movie is, again, uh, comparing it to Hero, because both of these characters go through loss, they go through grief, and they both choose to take revenge 
uh, in one form or another. And I think one of the strongest points in this film is the comparison between these two characters and how they differ from one another and how Hiro eventually chooses to accept that, one, Tadashi is dead, and two, that revenge is not the way to go. And uh, I wanted to get a quick, uh, quick idea from y'all about how you thought that, that sort of arc and that parallel between these two characters was how it, how it worked out in the movie and if it was done well. But yeah, what did you guys think? So of the sort of like, you know, deeper themes that this movie goes through, I think that the whole revenge arc, to, for lack of a better term, um, is done really well, at least from Hero's perspective. Like, we, I it, it felt very emotional when Hero removes the medical chip and like is legitimately trying to kill Callahan with Baymax, right? As Iris said, that was a very like real part of the movie. Like it's startling. It, yeah, very much so. And like, you know, the nice robot robot being like commanded by his owner to just do pure evil at that point. It, it was very powerful. And I also liked that the movie took its time with backing Hero off the cliff and could have been so easy for Hero to be like, I revenge, 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 and then at the very last moment, we're like, okay, never mind, we're done. I the movie, like as I said, took its time, and I think it paid off really well. The as I, I forgot, no, uh, I forgot who said it, but like one of the you, one of y'all favorite scenes was, you know, when they were coming back from the island, and Hero and Baymax were talking and legitimately like discussing, like is this going to make you feel better? And Hiro not knowing, like, his instinct says yes, but his, like, thoughts are saying no because he understands that this doesn't end well, right? At the flip side, though, I think that the parallel that they're trying to make with Callahan, as noted in my previous rant, was not set up <laughs> well enough for it to have an impact on Hiro. Like, I, I, it, it, the movie didn't take its time with Callahan. And yet it took its time with Hero. And so we didn't, like for me at least, I like barely got the fact that Callahan's grief and Callahan's loss is supposed to parallel Heroes. Because we see nothing of Callahan until the like twenty, the last 20 minutes. And then we're supposed to understand his entire motivations for this in like a, a flip second and why he became evil, right? Like, uh... For me, they didn't do Callahan, the villain, justice in a way where we understand how Callahan, basically how Hero could have become Callahan. It kind of got so convoluted that I it lost me. That like what I what I wanted was I wanted to see Callahan as a villain and wanted to see what would happen if Hero took the wrong path. Right, because that's kind of what they wanted to do with Callahan. Like, if Hero decided that like revenge is the only option, and you have to do whatever you can to sort of uh, for for the ones that you that that you love against the people who've taken them from you, then like that is what leads to Callahan. Like, I I want that I want that trail. I just they didn't give it to me. So this point went a lot of places. I think that I want to steer us back to, to the question for a moment here. Cause I do really like what you started, like the, the first point that you made, which is that the movie, it, you know, takes its time. And that was sort of one of my big takeaways is that the movie 
does not hesitate to get really serious for a second. You know, the way that it treats Tadashi's death, the way that it treats depictions of grief and bereavement, you know, the 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 way that it treats, you know, Hiro's sort of emotional journey, his emotional growth, his progression from, you know, I mean, I like just the stages of 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 grief, right? Uh you know, denial and bargaining and depression and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I think that moment, and that was the scene that I mentioned, right, yeah. where where Baymax and Hero are arguing in the garage is like such an important just little, little snippet of time. Um, and I think it's, really powerful the way that it's presented not as an argument between these two but Baymax just like just calmly standing there and like checking Hero like is this what you want are you going to be happy about this is this is what is this what's going to help you feel better and you know Hero has to come to the realization of like what he almost did what he almost went through with and like honestly like for a 14 year old holy shit like someone needs to be watching out for this someone needs to like put a leash on this boy because he is too damn smart for his own good i mean it, it was Tadashi um, before he died uh, whoa, oh, oof. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean I, I think in 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 response to sort of the whole discussion of the ways that that wasn't set up for callahan to me, it feels like sort of the parallelism here, right? The comparison of Hero's, you know, brush with revenge versus Callahan's surrender to it seems to be, seems to me at least, to be less about, you know, setting up these two characters as sort of equal yet opposite and more so of a, a, an instrument or a means, a vehicle to demonstrate that Hero has grown. To me, Callahan being compared to Hero never seems to be about Callahan himself, but only to give Hero that moment to be like, it's not worth it. I've been there. It's not going to help you feel better. And then see Callahan go through, like, in in much shorter versions, of course, but to see Callahan go through the same thoughts and then reject that, turn away from the path, the redemption being offered to him. You know, to have this whole fight scene where Callahan's very explicitly trying to kill all of them, and to have Hero and Baymax finally gain the upper hand and then choose mercy in that moment, you know, and for Hero to repeat that line, our programming prevents us from harming a human being. You know, it, none of that is about Callahan. It's about showing that Hero really has redeemed himself. If we're, if we're going off of the, the points of the hero's journey. May I pose a point that one, I completely agree with you. And that two you can still have all of that while having a compelling villain. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that like the 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 relative scarceness uh, of of I mean, really, pretty much all of the side characters is like necessary. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not sure whether like I think it seriously detracts from the movie, but I definitely would have appreciated some more like exploration of these side characters it's just it's it's not the story they told i think and it's it's i I don't think i don't think it's necessarily wrong to say that it would have been nice but i also don't think it's necessarily right to say that the lack of it sort of 
is is a is a glaring flaw, I suppose. I I mean, here's the thing. We've all been doing this podcast for a while. Basically, critiquing movies and seeing where they can be improved has now become kind of a subconscious part of our watching experience. And it's, <laughs> I think we're spoiled, honestly. Like, we we watch movies that pretty, I think, I think in this movie specifically, I think it's pretty clear that the intention wasn't to have, you know, Callahan be any more than, you know, just cartoon mask guy with an army of microbots like it's it feels really sad to admit that because we all know where it could have been better like just seeing where you know i think hero's own kind of brush with revenge would have been so much stronger if you had callahan established as a you know a character that had you know truly villainous kind of a villainous descent per se and you could see you know as as Bay, Baymax is the one character that that's his rock that holds him out of it, right? Like that would have been an incredible story, but you know, that's not the story on the screen. Sucks. But but I think you're absolutely right, right? I mean, like the the fact that they didn't tell the story that we're imagining. Sure, the story could have been better. Any story could have been. But I think it's important to recognize that you know. If it's not, it's not in the cards for like the movie that they were making, and that's not a bad thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a story be simple and to the point. You know, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. My feelings on this movie are: it could have been better. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I and I think it does kind of suffer for being too simple. It feels formulaic to a fault at many points, where you know. The, the 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 it quite literally feels like the lowest amount of effort attempted to kind of establish character this character here or this plot thread here is what holds you know hero's journey together hero's journey is great the supporting you know kind of uh structure around it doesn't feel strong i have a proposition for our 50th episode we go back to the episodes that we have reviewed for the movies we think could have done better and we shop scenes <laughs> for oh how God. to make them better in our oh, eyes. That sounds like the most masturbatory use of our <laughs> airtime possible. <laughs> I cannot think of a more obnoxious method of self-aggrandizing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be pretty fun, though. Oh, well, we can we can dream. Yeah. Uh, but that'll do it for us, folks, this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this week's YouTube video that you can watch online is uh, one that I can't believe I haven't recommended yet. It is the ultimate showdown of Ultimate Destiny. Wow, Jesus, what a throwback. <laughs> yeah, I know. Shit. Deep cut, damn. I know, right? This is an ancient ancient video as in like the early 2000s uh if you haven't heard of it go watch it now uh i still can recite the entirety of the song verbatim uh <laughs> word for word yeah <laughs> coming up next in our special segment <laughs> yes that that'll be our 50th episode oh instead <laughs> all right well thank you so much for again folks for listening and you will hear from us next week bye bye Goodbye. Thank you. Bye, everyone.